Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 746. Fun, comfortable dates, not only on the road, but I'm going to be taping my next hour special entitled Fun Comfortable in San Francisco at the Palace of Fine Arts on January 29th. There's going to be two shows, 7.30 and 10.30. Um, there's a pre-sale starting today. The password is zombie. Um, it is on Ticketmaster. You can get the link at Nerdist.com. There's a post for it. I'll also tweet about it. At Hardwick now, I switched all my social media, so at Hardwick on Twitter and Instagram and Chris Hardwick on Snapchat. But uh, yeah, I want it to be special. We're going to do two shows, shoot the, the basically the culmination of this entire tour that I've been on. Uh, hopefully it'll be ready by January 29th. And uh, we're going to make it fun. I'm going to make uh, posters for everyone to give out, commemorative posters if you're there. So uh, join us, join us. It'd be great to have you. And uh, I haven't been to San Francisco is where I started the tour. So that's, that's pretty exciting, right? I'll book in the tour in San Francisco. Palace of Fine Arts, very fancy. So pre-sale today. Uh, today being October 14th from 10 to 10, and then uh, tickets are actually on sale for regular on Friday the 16th. So there you go. I hope to see you there. Uh, also, from the Nerdist Community Corkboard, Muscle Temple is a group of professional comic artists and cartoonists from shows and comics like Sanjay and Craig, Metalocalypse, Bee and Puppycat, Adventure Time, much more. Together, they're going to publish a 60-ish page, two-color, soft cover comic featuring funny, weird, short comics and goofy illustrations about their love and passion, pro wrestling. But they need your support. Go to kickstarter.com and search Muscle Temple to support or to find out more. Also, Kevin Heffernan and Steve Lemmy are getting ready for Halloween. Check out their newest episode of Chewing It with Kevin and Steve, where they discuss movies that scared the shit out of them. Listen to it today on Nerdist.com and on iTunes. This episode of the podcast is Mr. Colin Hanks. Uh, Colin Hanks, this is a one of my favorite podcast stories. You'll hear it play out in the episode. He was on five years ago. Talked about a documentary he wanted to made, make. I told him about Kickstarter because Kickstarter is relatively new. He kickstarted the money, made the documentary. It's coming out this Friday, October 16th. It's called All Things Must Pass, and it's all about the rise and fall of Tower Records. He's very passionate about music and Tower Records in general. Um, more info can be found at towerrecordsmovie.com. But uh, Colin is a goddamn delight. Oh my God. Just one of the nicest dudes. And he was on At Midnight the other night. He was great. Also, he's on the new sitcom Life in Pieces, which is Mondays at 8.30 p.m. on CBS. So here we go. The Nerdist Podcast number 746. Colin Hanks returns. Katie, start that shit. Now entering Nerdist.com.
Well, I went to the gym this morning. Fuck you. It's the only way I can manage the schedule that I have. I honestly, you know, the weeks where I take off, I uh, I feel real bad. So I feel so exercise. Actually I feel really bad about the months I take off. So. <laughs> you know what though? I will say this: I don't have two kids, so that uh, that's probably a lot of cardio in the morning. You're chasing you're them around, a lot of lifting, scooping them up. Yeah, you know, you're picking up toys. Yeah. You know, you're cleaning up uh, adorable vomit. And so that's, I feel like that is your, you have a daily exercise routine in the morning and at night. It's just in much, much smaller reps and the smaller, <laughs> but you, when you add them up over 24 hours, yes, maybe that is true. You know, what I did have to like pick up the kid this morning to find out that she had uh, uh, peed her pants. So then I have to run upstairs to go to, so there was a sprint involved along with, I mean, it's not kettlebell swings, but it'll work. But you're such a, you know, you, you seem like such a good dad. You have no frame of reference for that. I don't, well, I'll tell you. You have no frame of reference for that. when. Thank you. The, you were, you were on the podcast in, the, in its infancy. We, we were a baby. Yeah. And you were there to clean up our pee. Uh, uh, yes. In the early days. I back carried in, a whole three of you at the time in up the 2010, stairs of life. In 2010, you came to my house at the time, mm-hmm. and you were just about to have the first baby. That's right. And and uh, I was super nervous about the were, world knowing about yes, that. Yes, you were. You were very nervous. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, listen, it, it's, you know... It, uh, your last name is what your last name is, and there yeah. are, there are going to be things that people read into that that have yeah. nothing to do with you, which yeah. is... Turns out no one cared. <laughs> That's the goodness. But isn't it nice that, it was, that that was the case? Yes. I'll always take no one caring over... But you can't know that. You never know. I mean, it's, it's a... But that was, that was... Geez, that was five years ago. And then someone just got married yesterday? Matt Myra got married just yesterday. Just got married yesterday? Just got married yesterday. So yeah. I got the post-wedding slot. <laughs> you did. Matt, Matt, of course, is on his way to... Iceland or something. Yeah, he's, right? well, yeah. Let's just say it's Iceland. He probably doesn't want us to announce where. It's literally Reykjavik. Yeah, he's going to oh, Reykjavik and then London. <laughs> <laughs> he should be arriving at Heathrow any minute now. I think it's in the internet. It's probably the international terminal yeah, where you can pick him up. That's where he'd want to, you know, the customs, you know. But uh, yeah, so he's 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 on his way there now. But yeah, so a lot of things have happened in the in the last five years and. One of the most uh, – uh, one of my favorite podcast stories of all time is the fact that when you came on, you were talking about how obsessed you were with Tower Records. The rise and fall of Tower Records. I want to do this movie. And it, yeah. And it and so it's been it's been so fun. To, we're essentially bookending you yes. at the inception of this process. Yes. And now it's coming out. Yes. And that's a, I'm so excited for you. It's and proud. crazy. Well, th- first off, thank you. That's very, very sweet of, of you to say. And it it is uh, it's almost uh, ridiculous how much I was like, okay, I I will not. This process will not be over until I could go back onto Nerdist so I could <laughs> properly explain just how much that one afternoon ended up. In a very weird way, 
changing multiple uh, parts, facets of my life. Right. Which is so weird. And if this doesn't happen on every single one of your podcasts, <laughs> it'll be incredibly disappointing. Um, but no, so I talked about this movie, which was this idea, and which you had suggested using a Kickstarter. Right, which, 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 I was, which the kids were just starting to do at the time. Just starting to do, and I had been sort of toying with that idea, but then you were like, yes, you should do it, and so that really made helped make me make that decision to do it but then also um there's a a a great guy great gentleman by the name of uh dan silver who listens to this podcast all the time and he was listening to that episode and it just so happens that at the time he was the head of espn's 30 for 30 films oh right yeah espn films essentially and based on that, he then reached out to me saying, like, well, if you're doing the Tower Doc, you know, you ever thought, you know, do you have any sports ones that you're interested in doing? And that has pretty much, uh, like, the, him listening to that podcast has got me to do the 30 for 30 short that I did for them about the Crazy Crab. It has sort of helped me get into this documentary directing thing that I've sort of been doing. So... It has changed so much of my life that one random afternoon where it was really rainy and you're like, oh, just come up the hill. You know, we'll, we'll it talk. was really – I totally remember that. And now the fact that this movie is about to come out and I, literally you were the one that I like reached out to like personally and was like – I, w- I have to do this. <laughs> Listen, so all I'm asking for is 40% of the Oscar acceptance Totally page. fair. Um, totally fair. But no, but but honestly, it, it's such That'll a... be about 20 seconds, <laughs> I think. <laughs> it, it's such a... It, you know, th- th- this idea that you just... It's so inspiring to people. You, you had an idea for something that was important to you. You were passionate about it. In the midst of the rest of your life, in the midst of having a baby, having another baby, working, you know... Getting now, a job, losing getting, a job. Getting another job, <laughs> losing a job. Now you're on Life in Pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monday nights at 8.30. Uh, <laughs> well done, well and, done. And so uh, it... it, it, it but, but that you were passionate about this thing, and so you went off and you made it. And now it's a... It is actually a thing. And so I would love to know... Uh, how was the process of making it? What did you learn without giving too much away from the documentary? And was it, what you know, was your was your mission statement carried out? Did you did you change your kind of inciting uh, statement by the end of it? Did you go, oh my god, this whole other thing that I didn't realize actually was the story of Tower well, Records? Yeah, I I feel like especially with. Um I feel it's like this with any creative uh, venture. You have an idea of what you want, and that changes and evolves and sort of it turns into its own thing. And sometimes it can be in a direction that you are anticipating, or sometimes it can be in a completely other direction. Um, and you end up stumbling upon something totally different. I mean, I remember hearing about this documentary, the uh, capturing the Freedmans. Right now, that's an incredibly heady. You know, dark subject matter of a documentary that started off because that guy wanted to make a documentary about clowns. Right? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, in the back of my mind, I always knew that this it, that these things have a tendency to sort of be. They tell you what it needs to become, and uh, very early on, I just sort of went with the overall gut instinct of if this guy starts selling used. You know, 78s out of his father's drugstore in the late 30s, early 40s, and closes 192 stores around the world in, you know, the early aughts. There's bound to be something there. 
And the more research I did about you know, the stores they opened and when they opened and the historical context of the times and what the music culture was like at the times. I I knew that there was something really fascinating going on. What I did not know going in, and it wasn't until I met Russ and then he insisted that we talk with these other people for the film. It was only then that I realized that, you know, all of the cool, fascinating history about tower that i think is is great and i think people will be interested by that's just uh, uh just a little frosting on on what the real story is the real story is you know what russ and his you know his generals as i like to call them what they were actually able to accomplish and what they were able to do. And so the story of Tower is really much more of this personal journey that these characters go on. I was not prepared for that. I, was, I, I really didn't think that that was going to be what the film was really going to sort of uh, uh, you know, rest its, its hat on. And the fact that I've gotten to know these people and they've trusted me and, and my team to be able to tell their stories is one – something that I don't uh, take lightly and I take that very, very seriously. But two, the fact that the people that have seen the movie have really walked away being very surprised as to what the movie actually is and they find it as emotionally impactful as they do is something that I could never have imagined. Well, I mean, Tower Records was really, uh, you know, it... It was a community before there were online communities where people could get together and talk about music. And, you know, like the Tower Records stores, there was one in Westwood and uh, Mm -hmm. and I went to UCLA. So there was one in Westwood and it was a place where you would go hang out and talk to people. It really was a a community. But also I think there's a there's a bigger story beyond just Tower Records, which is just the, the paradigm shift in how people are getting their music and their content and what it what it means now and, Absolutely. and people people interact with music so differently than they did even 20 years ago that were so spoiled i mean the idea of of really going and buying a cd or an album or a, let's even say a cassette tape yeah Looking at the cover art, rifling through the single, cover art, a, a single, single, if you will. Yeah, uh, I will. Right, rifling. I did. <laughs> if it was a Rhythm Nation, a single, great. But we were uh, a part of it, the Rhythm yeah, we Nation. We were all a part of it, and we and but really absorbing the entire album as an experience. And now I don't really know if people, you know, because everything's just in tiny bite-sized chunks. I don't know if people really... Well, yeah. I mean, look, and this was a big problem that we had when we initially went out to try and get financing is here we were, you know, we didn't quite have the, the, the personal angle quite figured out. And so I was going out trying to raise funds for documentaries, which at that point was insane, <laughs> you know, like because the, they didn't have Netflix streaming yet. So right. like... At that point, documentary movies were only watched in like one random theater in some sketchy part of town. Like, then people just say, "Like, you'll no, we we have no interest in putting money up for for that because no one will see it unless it's a really important film." Right. Um, but I had gone out and basically was talking about the fact that Tower was this social place where people would meet each other and they could hang out and that. Part of the film would be celebrating that element that is seemingly lost now. And a lot of people just went like, yeah, I don't think anyone really cares or is going to miss that at all. Because, I mean, this was 
six years ago, seven years ago. And so Tower had only been closed for maybe two years. And I don't think enough time had passed where everyone's like, that's old. We don't care. Right. It doesn't matter anymore. And now that this technology has lived with us for a while and we've become so accustomed to it. And by the way, it's great. Sure it is. <laughs> it's not, you know, when people ask me, like, is it better? Is it worse? I go, it's not better or worse. It's just different. And it has its own pluses and its own minuses. It's all fine. But now that enough time has passed, I think people can look back at Tower, specifically Tower, as one of these places that really championed that idea that this was a place where the doors were always open no matter what you look like, no matter how you dress, no matter what your interests were, no matter who you were or who you wanted to be, you could go there and you could spend hours there and not buy anything. You, know, <laughs> you don't have to buy a muffin. You don't have to buy a cup of coffee. You just rifle you, through you shit. Just, hey, let's go into world music. Why not? Yeah, exactly. And it would be a place where you could just hang out. And if you left and you didn't buy anything, that'd be okay because maybe the next time you come in, maybe you'd buy something. Well, yeah, because if you felt welcome there, yeah. then it's going to be a place you're going to go back to. Yeah. And I feel like now, you know, I yes, I am absolutely appreciate the convenience of hearing a song in a grocery store, shazamming it. Buying it on iTunes or even just going right to Apple Music and adding it to it's my playlist. It's fucking incredible. It, it's incredible. The other thing that I find with that, though, is I don't necessarily appreci- appreciate songs as much because I invested no energy in acquiring them. So I might hear a song, oh, that's cool. I'll just add it to my playlist and then never listen to it again. Well, so many people have asked me about, like, you know, w- about the personal connection to, like, Tower had this personal connection to music and personal connections were made. And I sort of feel that that goes two ways. There is the personal connection of you actually going and talking to another human being about music and them saying, like, oh, well, you like this uh, uh, Chili Peppers record, oh, well, you know, that's dedicated to Mike Watt. He's in this other band. And you know Jackass? Well, that song, the Jackass song, that's Corona. That's off of this, you know, Minutemen record that you should really have or, you know, whatever it may be. <laughs> now an algorithm, now a robot does Yeah, that. exactly. So there's you that personal what you connection. Would like. But the other personal connection that I think is actually really important is w- I remember, and maybe this is just because I'm weird, but... I remember like where I bought a record that meant a great deal to me. And that is a personal connection that I have with myself and that record or that band or whatever it may be. And there's a lot of really great music out that I love that I've downloaded, but I don't remember where I was when I downloaded it. Of course. (laughs) I don't remember like what I was wearing. I don't remember anything about it. I just all of a sudden – you know, now it really is about when you first hear something because if the first moment you hear it, you now have the ability to Shazam it and right. then add it to, you know, your audio playlist and, and go from there. Do you know what I mean? So it, it's, it's not better. It's not worse. It's just different, you know. And for example, I remember growing up and you'd be hear things like, oh, well, that's out of print. You can't, you can't get that. <laughs> and now I'll never hear the words, it's out of print ever again, because chances are they might not have ever printed it. Right. And it'll exist forever in some shape or form online. And so I can find pretty much any kind of music I have ever wanted to hear. And it just, and it, and it really is just a couple of clicks of digging. And that's okay. Sure. That's all right, because I am spending the effort to try to find that. It just doesn't have the same import and it doesn't have the same uh, 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 
resonance with with you as it did if you were like, oh, well, I'm looking for a very specific 12-inch that was pressed in Japan, so it's an import that I've been looking at this store and that store and I can't quite find it and all that sort of stuff. All that stuff still exists in some way online. <laughs> right. You know, there's eBay and things like that. It's just not the same. You know, it's just different. Te- Technology has evolved so quickly in the past two decades that I feel like our generation is particularly – uh, we, I feel like we are old man sounding younger than our parents' generation because it really wasn't that long ago when everything shifted so much. And so, you know, I'm sure you say to your kids, you don't even know what it was like when you it was totally. in the 90s, in the 1900s. You had to blah, 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 blah. like, you know, it just everything has changed so dramatically quickly and we've adapted and now we're spoiled, yeah. and now we're we're hungry. I mean, if there ever is, if we ever do hit a technology wall, mm-hmm. and there's just no new technology, I don't know how that would happen at this point. I mean, eventually, I'm sure it'll happen. As our, I'm just goes. waiting for Ready Player One to become like reality. <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what. Uh, that's where we're all going towards, right? That's where it's all going to be eventually. Eventually, that's what it'll become. All right, cool. And it'll be loaded with '80s references that we all love. Uh, <laughs> they got that. I'm sorry. Quick sidetrack. <laughs> I'm so glad Google is around when I read that book, so I could Google wait, what the fuck was that? Oh, all the okay. references. Is that? Oh wait, that one kind of went over my head. Was it, oh that obscure Japanese? Uh, you can make an thing. entire game show just based on that book <laughs> and the references that are in there. An entire series, totally based on that book. Totally, alone. But, but yeah, like especially like with technology and 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 the, the the way that things have have just changed and evolved. I mean, it's changed so much since we started making this movie yeah. it's changed when we started walmart was the number one music retailer and then eventually apple dethroned that and then eventually streaming dethroned apple i mean it's it's changed so much in 7 years there's this you've seen the movie right have you seen it yet? i haven't seen it yet. you haven't seen it oh god okay there's this one point, all things must pass the rise and fall of tower it's records. just all things must pass okay Eventually, people will realize what it's about. Okay. Um, but um, Not the George Harrison record. Not the George Harrison record, although there are plenty of references to that record in the doc that I can tell you about that will blow your mind. But there, there's this one video that is actually from a 1994 uh, uh, a corporate video in which it's like a staged interview between Russ and, and this guy. And the guy asks him says Russ there's all these new technologies coming out like laser discs and <laughs> and and you know dat and the things future. like that yeah it's all like you know and and you know there's even talk of like music being beamed into our homes like w- how's your inventory going to be like are you going to be okay and and it's such a fascinating little insight into how unprepared the world was for the concept of something as simply known now as the internet. And, you know, Russ has this, his response is basically, you know, all of that stuff will come around, you know, eventually. They've always, you know, Tower really prided themselves on, you know, being early adopters to to the technology and whatever hung around and lasted was great. And then other things sort of like died off and they just abandoned them. But he said, you know, this concept of music being beamed into your house, that might come around someday, but it'll come around over a long period of time. (laughs) (laughs) Who could ever predict? I mean, that's basically like if someone was, someone said, well, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, if if someone figure if someone discovers magic, totally. I mean, well, I next mean, week, yeah, and basically that's what happened. And it, I mean, it's as simple as you know George McFly hearing Van Halen, thinking that it's it's Satan's music from the future. Do you know right. what I mean? Like it is so. Th- there was no concept of for of what it was actually going to be, and it has not changed. That has not changed at all. In fact, if anything, it's just changed. Quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. So now it's not uh, seven years between you know some new technology and it coming over. Now it's like you know these things get released and within nine months they become somewhat sort of obsolete in some way, shape, or form, and then you're on to the you next. What's really sad is that even the concept. Of, I mean, with the exception of the top oh one percent of performers, but I mean, obviously, you know, if Taylor Swift releases a new album, it's a big deal, or mm-hmm. if, you know, if someone else and Nicki Minaj, if someone else releases, then it's a big. But the idea of, you know, Tuesday, new release, it's going to be, you know, like yeah. that doesn't even, people don't no, even they really moved seem it to, to give a they shit They moved anymore. it to Fridays and I don't think anyone even really know, noticed. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, no. I mean, it. it is, um, there, there was something really unique about that era where, you know, they would release the, these new albums on Tuesdays and you could line up at a Tower Records to go buy it and they'd have, they'd send news crews oh. and where they would cover kids coming out of the store with their new, you know, I've got the first Metallica Black album, yeah you know, and then they basically walk to their cars and put it in and then they just listen to it in the parking lot you actually had you have something now when you buy entertainment you don't really have anything and in a lot of cases especially with you know spotify or pandora or rdo or apple music you don't even really own it anymore like you don't have you don't don't actually have it yeah anything you're the commodity now is just the experience of hearing it as quickly as you want to but you don't actually have a thing to hold and look at no and it's just again man it's all about what is the uh, what is the equivalent experience now? Do you know what I mean? And that I I, I don't think there really is anything. Uh, there is no a, a equivalent to that experience now. I mean, really, if you re- want to break it down, really, it's concerts now. I mean, yeah. that that that's really what it you is. Know, the, li- the live t- the touring business is actually quite an up. There's a, quite an uptick in, yeah. in the touring business now, and. Uh, which as fans, I go, great, that's awesome. But then I talk with my musician friends who are, you know, 40s and with kids, and they're like, great. Now I get to go on the road. Can't wait to tour for Can't wait to go straight. on another one of these tours. It uh, just never ends. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, cause I was, uh, I had dinner with Rob Zombie a couple weeks ago, and he's about to go on tour. I think he, what? I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's on tour or he's going to go on tour soon, but anyway, he'll tour again at some point if he's not touring yeah. now. But he's, he said, like, yeah, it's 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 even bigger than it. Like, people are coming out more to see music now than they were before. And, you know, they're playing bigger venues than they were playing when, you know, even when White Zombie, like, had, yeah. like, the hit. They're more human now they're, than, they're more human than now less than they- human. <laughs> They're more now than they were less. You're already see. You're already practicing for at midnight. You're gonna be on today. <laughs> I'm already giving you points, Colin. Hey, Hanks. Oh, you're awesome. You're doing well awesome. Already. I'll take it. I'll take Who, it. Was there anyone in the documentary that you uh, kind of used the documentary as an excuse to meet or talk to? Was there anyone oh, that you kind of freaked out about, about everybody? Meeting? Well, there were. So, yeah. I mean, we were able to get some pretty impressive people and they were all very very uh kind to us and very very helpful um elton john was one where i 
basically just started cold emailing his representatives and because I you know I have an agent they were like no he's legit that that that, that one's a legit one <laughs> um and so we were able to to get Elton which was great I, I was very adamant that I didn't want the documentary to be a bunch of famous people in the first 3 minutes telling the audience why Tower Records was important I was under the impression that it is important. That's why I'm making the movie. So right. that's a given. So I don't need all of the famous people in the first three minutes that then we don't see again until the very end of the film. Saying right. like, yeah, I really missed that. Um, I went specifically towards people and I had very specific goals in mind. So like with Elton, I knew about this story about them opening up the stores early for him um, and him being one of Tower's biggest uh, supporters and fans. There's a very famous quote where he said if he had to do it all over again, the job that he would plug for the most was Tower Records. So I, I had a very specific in with Elton. Um, uh, by the way, I heard – I had a friend who worked at a record store and maybe it was a Tower Records in Atlanta. Yeah. and Yeah, yeah. Tower in Atlanta. He, he shopped he, at he Tower would go, in Atlanta He would go in all the time LA. and everyone said, you know – like the nicest, you know, came mm-hmm. in, literally bought everything that was released that day. Oh, yeah. Would I, go away and listen to like a true music lover. We, the, one of the very first stories I ever heard, Stan Goman told me, he was, he was one of the, the employees of, of Tower who's in the, featured in the film quite a bit. He would come in with a list of records. His chauffeur, his limo chauffeur would come and they would keep track and he'd buy three copies of each record, one for each one of his houses. Uh-huh. And that's how he would go through the store. And then we ended up finding footage of that. Oh, wow. Some dude actually, uh, the guy who owns the footage now found it in a dumpster like 16, 17 years ago, something like that. And now he's the proud owner of this sure. footage. I have no idea who took it. I'm sure it's some tower guy that eventually just sort of tossed it out. But so I have that specific story. Great. All right. So I definitely need Elton John. Um, Dave Grohl, I knew, worked at a Tower Records when he was a kid in D.C. So I said, if I can get Dave Grohl, and keep in mind this was before Sound City, this was before Sonic Highways, um, I said, if I can get Dave Grohl, then that I can cross out boxes. So I can cross out, okay, well, here's a famous musician that a lot of people know about. Great, that box is checked. But I can also have him talk about something very specific, which is what it was like to work at a Tower Records and why he wanted to work at a Tower Records. And so therefore, it's an added tool uh, uh, for me as a filmmaker to be able to help tell the story about why Tower was a unique place to work at, why it was special. But then there were a bunch of people, uh, I mean, I was super geeked, to be able to <laughs> talk to Elton John. I was super geeked to be able to talk to Dave Grohl. But then there were some people that I had approached that we interviewed that I ended up not being able to put in the movie, which was soul crushing because like I got to, we interviewed Chris Cornell. We interviewed Chuck D from public enemy. We interviewed uh, Questlove from the roots. Amazing interviews, all really, really great guys, and I had very specific reasons that I spoke with both of them, but then eventually it got to the point where I had so much footage, and I had over a terabyte of footage, Jeez. Um, and I needed the movie to be tight. I needed it to be like a pop song. I needed it to leave people wanting more, and I couldn't go to all the places that I wanted to. And so like with Questlove, for example, I specifically chose him as that collector who's just obsessed with every single pressing of every single kind of record or CD. And, oh, I got to have that because that's not in my collection. Like he's, you know, he's my generation's historian. 
when it comes to music. Um, and so I thought having him combined with Bruce Springsteen, who is arguably one of the other generation's you know, music historians who can sp- speak on pretty much anything – I said those would be what an interesting dynamic it would be between the two of those. But unfortunately, you know, you just you you burn so much earth trying to get, you know, everything you might possibly need and then you realize, oh well, you went too far. The bonus is is oh, I got to hang out with Questlove. <laughs> I got to hang out with Chuck D. I got to hang out with Chris. Did Cornell. you ever think about releasing some of the ancillary content on We uh, will. All okay. of that stuff yeah, I mean we we probably have upwards of about thirty additional like edited, like we edited about 30 additional minutes that will be included on all the various different platforms. I mean, it, it, it stresses me out so much to hear that, that type of storytelling where you have a terabyte of stuff yeah, and you have to go through all of it. All of and it. there are probably no less than an infinite number of ways you could tell that story yeah. or assemble that footage and it, you just have to you just have to go through it all and pick well it's it's strange but this is a hundred percent true russ solomon i learned one of the most important lessons of filmmaking from russ solomon which was the one of the ways that he ran tower was he was very adamant that he give people the right to be able to consider the work their own. And so the people that were hired in the store, he gave them responsibility very, very early on so that they would want the store to succeed. It doesn't make any sense if they – if someone thinks their job is shit, they're going to do a shit job. Right. And so he calls it the Tom Sawyer theory of management, which is basically you know let someone else paint the fence. You know? Right. And so he gave people a large amount of responsibility very early on and said, this is what I would like this to be. I want you to like it too. Make it your own. And that's how Tower functioned and especially in those early eras, that's the foundation that Tower was laid on uh, and and that's what helped make Tower really special and unique. I did the exact same thing with the movie. And there's no point in me trying to trying to micromanage a terabyte of footage is a recipe <laughs> for insanity. Do you know what I mean? If you didn't have a family and another job, yeah, it would be difficult. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, it would just have been foolish. And so I tried to surround myself with with really, really smart, talented people, and said, like, look, I've got a terabyte of footage here. This is what I'd like the film to be, and I'd have long conversations with, you know, my editor Darren or my writer Stephen, and even the producers Sean and Glenn, and we would talk about what I wanted the film to be. What and you know, sometimes that conversation is here's what I don't want it to be. Right. I don't want it to be famous people in the first three minutes telling you what to think. I don't want it to be. A, I didn't want a narrator in the movie. I I hate it when narrators are in movies. It just drives me insane. Do you feel unless like because- Mike Watt is the narrator <laughs> or Morgan Freeman? Sure. You know there are a couple of exceptions, um, but for Docs, I was just like I'd much rather have these people tell the story. So you'd have these conversations of what I wanted the film to be, and then you get you know I would get we would all get excited as to what the opportunity you know the opportunity we had of, of making the film, and then so it became much more collaborative. So then I didn't necessarily have to worry about a full terabyte uh, when I knew that I had four other people that were also concerned about that terabyte of footage. And let's make sure that we have everything that you know we want, everything that we can At use. that moment, Colin Hanks swam through three miles <laughs> of shit I can't even imagine. <laughs> That's not a... 
good Morgan Freeman, I think we'll all agree. Yes. But, yeah. I was going to let that one slide. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, hey, it's a characterization it of an idea of narrating your process. It is, yeah, when it, it, it can be kind of dangerous. And, it, you know, listen, I understand that that as a tool does work sometimes to have oh, a narrator. absolutely. But other times it sort of feels like, oh, they couldn't tell the story of just the way that they shot it and the way that they – so now they have to fill in the gaps by having someone goes, here is what is going on. And listen, I get it. And, and after now, after having made a documentary, like I totally understand it. And it would have been so much fucking easier to have, to have done that. But I just wanted to try to do everything I could to stick to that. That initial pledge to try to not do it with a document uh, with with a narrator, and we were lucky in that we were able to we were able to pull it off. That said, I will never knock another documentary for doing <laughs> for 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 needing to do that because it is incredibly beneficial sometimes. But we were we were lucky because our characters are such great storytellers, and they're so funny and they're so engaging as individuals and as, as and as people but also as you know narrative characters in the story that we're trying to tell that i figured i if these people can't tell their own stories or if i can't help them tell their own stories um then uh fuck it i give up <laughs> i'm always i'm always i i really enjoy the fact that uh you're such a normal guy like you're just such a normal dude and you could Thank have you. not been a normal dude. Thank you know you. what I mean? You could have not grown up a normal dude. You could have, you know. And but you're such a, you know, having the family that you have, you could have been. It could have been different for you. But mm-hmm. you're such a normal guy, and you've you've totally established yourself totally separately as your own entity, and you've gone off and done your own things, and it's very inspiring. I Thanks, think it's man. very cool. You you know, you have such a strong voice, and 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 that sounds exactly like your dad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I that's you know, the, that's the royal we chiming in. You know what's funny about that is that uh, I, I now that you say that, yes, I hear a yeah. that, but because I know you specifically, I don't hear it. I yeah. don't, I don't hear it. I hear it when you point it out. I go, oh, yeah, I guess, I, yeah, yeah, but I don't. Well, it's know. only strangers that have a tendency to point that out to me. I guess so. Yeah, it's people who don't really. Oh, people make people make loose yeah, connections. Yeah, yeah. make loose Although connections. there are sometimes when my wife goes like, "Oh, jeez." <laughs> oh, wow. But do you find that you were more inspired to plant your own flag in the ground to be, a, you know, to make your own? Was that was that part of a part of your? Because some people would take that as a. Oh, this is going to be an impossible hurdle to overcome, you know. But you seem to take it as like, no, I'm just going to do what I like and make my own thing. Well, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I don't know why things have turned out the, the way that they did. I, I do think that a lot of it just happens to just be be luck for whatever reason. Um, but I think when I started out, um, there was an I was incredibly naive as to uh, how people would respond to me doing anything. Um, and what I mean by that is, I mean, I look, I know that it's a, a relatively big deal, my dad being who, the, who he is, but that's always changing and evolving. And it wasn't always, you know, he wasn't always like the person he is now is not who he was 15 years ago. Um, it was changing. I mean, that was still sort of happening. And so it would, was always this fluid sort of thing that was going on. And I always just 
tended to look at it from a completely different perspective than everyone else because that perspective is, oh, he's my dad. Right. There's not – you know, <laughs> it's, there, it's not as glamorous to me as it is to other people because he's my dad. You know, he tells bad jokes. He has his own quirks. He has his own stuff. There's the period in my life where I wanted to do everything but be, hang out with him or, you know, whatever he liked, I had to like the opposite of. Of course. You know what I mean? Like all of that stuff that everyone goes through with their parents is – I went through. And so I don't look at it the same way as everyone else did. So for me, I was just like, oh, well, I'll just go do this because this is what I really love to do. And that was really all just based on a conversation that he, he had with me where he said, look, if you want to be an actor, okay. I think you could do it. I think you have enough talent to do it. But you have to ask yourself if it's something that you really want to do. Like, right. can you envision yourself doing anything else? Because if you can, maybe don't go into acting. Right. And based on that, along with some other friends of mine who uh, I was going to college with at the time, um, they really sort of put a fire under my ass to go out and, and really give it a shot. And then so when I did, I say I was naive because I don't think I realized just how much of a deal people would make out of it. I just didn't think of it that way because I was just like, oh, well, this is what I want to do. <laughs> this is my passion. This is what I enjoy doing. This is what makes me excited. And this is what I would like to do for a living if I'm lucky enough to 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 do that. And I, you know, it was a very simple decision of, OK, well, um, I don't need a piece of paper telling me I am equipped to be an actor because I've graduated. Right. So I should just start trying to get an agent and have meetings and, and do all those sorts of things and go on auditions. And I did. And I would I got work. And I just I was very lucky and very fortunate. Um, a lot of it has to do with timing because there was this channel called the WB at the time. I'm sure you recall. <laughs> the w, I think it's the WB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michigan J. Frog is to be believed. Michigan J. Frog. But so I got very, very lucky. And I never really thought of it as anything more than what I wanted to do. As I've gotten older, this is a very long, convoluted answer, but as I've gotten older, I've realized it is – I'm so grateful that this is what I want to do because it can be mind-numbing how much people bring that up and how that's the only thing that they want to talk about and they just start talking to you like you're a 13-year-old boy just going like, oh, your dad this, your dad that. And you're like, I'm fucking 38 years old. Yeah, exactly. I've been hearing this. For so long, and also I've done a million things, and I've done you separate know, from that. Look, I mean, I've done some, I've done some, you I know, made a I've done fucking things. documentary. I've done some things. You know I, how hard that is. I've done, I did, I did do, I did do some things. So you know, it's one of those, it's one of those things where it, it, I always look at it from a very, very different perspective, and that perspective is, it's not a big deal. You show up, you do your work, you do as much good work as you possibly can, and hopefully, you know, when the time you're done, people will look at it and say, "Oh, he did pretty good." But you know what, though, I, I think, and you, I don't think you should ever take it personally because it is, that's just lazy journalism because that's just someone who maybe yeah. didn't just lift, just slightly look into 
everything that you've done and what you've accomplished in your own. And oh. so they're just going to make the most surface connection. Oh, totally. Oh, oh this makes my job easier because uh, I don't have to do any more research and to find out that this guy's a human being and he totally. has a family and he's a, you know, he's a very successful actor and a filmmaker. And, a, and so, I, you know, I always... I, I've and I get that now, having uh, had to ask people questions for a documentary. <laughs> like, I understand that so much more now. Like, I'm like, yes, that is easier. All right. Of course, oh, of I'm course. Give you the, the I know you've heard this, this before, one. Dave Grohl, Elton yeah, John. Yeah. I know you've probably, but, but you know, I, you know there, there was an idea, this idea when I was younger about, oh, well, if I do this, they're going to say this, or they're going to do this. This is like this large amorphous they yeah. who is essentially your insecurities. Yes. You know, like the they equals your own insecurities. That yes. might be kind of mind-blowing for some people because they think the they is just out there somewhere, but it's actually so internal. Yes. And really when it boils down to it, you really should just do what you want it. You really should just do what makes you happy. And maybe a couple of voices will chirp up and go, hey, what are you trying to fucking... Yeah. But they'll go away, and it doesn't mean anything. And the longer you're pursuing the thing that you're pursuing, you know, eventually people will catch up. And if they don't, fuck them. Yeah. Uh, but it uh, it just doesn't it just doesn't matter as long as you're happy doing what you're doing. Well, and that's what it that is exactly the 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 point there. I mean, that is really in essence why why I do what I do is because I enjoy the process of doing it. I don't care necessarily about what everybody thinks about it. I mean, obviously, to say that I don't care if people like it, that's a lie. Of course, I want people to like everything that I do. But ultimately, the, the reason why I do what I do is because I enjoy the process of making whatever it is, whether it's doing a play, whether it's doing a show, doing a movie, making this documentary, the process of it is so much fun. That is the reason why I do what I do. And everything else is completely out of my control. And so there's no point in obsessing over it. And, you know, sometimes I'm better at dismissing that than I than not. <laughs> um, but it's really, for me, it's all just more about the art of the doing of, of the the thing. Do you know what I mean? And so for me, like it's the chop wood, carry water, man. It's the, you put your head down, you do it because you don't want to do anything else. This, it, it means that this is what I'm meant to do. And, um, I'll just keep doing it until someone says I can't do it anymore. I'll tell you what, uh, because your dad's been on the podcast a couple times, and he was very gracious to us. And the next is it, what's it at three times? Twice. He's twice. been on twice. Okay. And uh, if he comes on again, I'm just going to ask him questions about you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to ask him questions about your work. There you go. What was it like growing? What was it like with Colin <laughs> yeah, growing yeah. up? Well, the, you know, the funny thing is, is that the uh, uh, I call it Spy Bridge, but that Bridge of Spies movie that comes out the same day. <laughs> Spy Bridge comes right. out. Can it be called Spy Bridge, the Spy, Bridge of Spies? Spy Bridge, the Bridge of Spies. <laughs> comes out on Friday. So we're we're laughing. Like my dad and I have been emailing back and forth. We're laughing because our movies are coming out on the exact same day. His movie's in like 2,000 theaters. Mine's in two. And so I just go like, look, I, I, I will talk about Spy Bridge if you talk about uh, all things it's must pass. It's not inconceivable that you could have a higher per screen average. And I hey! think that's... And I think that's the victory right there. I think that is the deciding victory. I right already uh, – he's seen my movie and it made him cry. So as long as I don't bust out in tears when I see Spy Bridge, I think I, I, I will have won. <laughs> well, there was a – the first time we, he was on, we went to his office. Yeah. And he has this giant outline drawing of you as a kid. Yeah. On his wall. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. 
And uh, and I it was a birthday gift. It was, you know, it was, it was so what was so it, what was such a father moment was when I go, oh, what's because I think it actually says Colin on the yeah. bottom, right? And I go, oh, is that Colin? And he and he had such a sincere moment. He goes, yeah, I, you know, he'll always be this guy to me. Like <laughs> there was something so sweet about like yeah. what a parent, you know, like a yeah. parent always thinks of you as uh, as as a little kid, and oh, now totally. you. Well, always, you know, your kids are always going to be your little, your little kids. Absolutely. No matter Absolutely. how, no matter how old they get, no matter what kind of shit they get up to when they get older, they're still just. It's like, oh, you're the, you're the, you're the little tiny, one you know? I had to pick up with the I had to clean, pants I had to clean and your run you up the stairs for my morning workout. You know, I gotta say, I, I never, I never thought I would ever want to have kids. And I'm starting to get to a place where I'm like, oh, that all sounds really sweet. I don't know. It sounds really – it sounds it's really awesome. good. It's it, awesome. Look, it is a double-edged sword. It, it is amazing. It is uh, – it opens your uh, – I mean it just opens your mind about everything in every single cliched Hallmark card mentality way you can possibly imagine. All of that stuff is, is incredibly true. Um, but it – it also uh, sucks. Oh, God, it sucks. The amount of sleep you lose, the amount of cool things you want to go to. I would imagine uh, the worry. Yeah. Oh, what did they eat now? The worry. Oh, cell, There's all happen? that. Um, yeah. The amount of friends that you lose touch with, <laughs> okay, I don't do even with Twitter and Facebook. I mean, it's... But um, it is awesome, and I I, I, I do uh, I do recommend it. It was uh, it w- w- will prove to be the two best things I. I, mean, I, I know did. it's important. It is where people come from. You have to there make, is you the have whole procreation thing. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is true. Or do we? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of people now. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. I don't know. But I know that my. If fiance- you like brunch, don't have kids because <laughs> brunch is never going to happen. I would love to be the person that was like, I was going to have kids, and then I realized. I just like brunch I too like much. I like brunch. Well, there's some great Bill Hicks jokes of like, oh, well, I don't know. With all the margaritas we drink, we can afford children. Honey. <laughs> I feel that way with brunch. I mean, I like margaritas, but, I, you know, really brunch is the thing I would. I'd kill for a good, solid, lazy brunch that starts at like 1245. Yeah, my, uh, my manager has three kids. And uh, and I was asking him, like, do you sleep much at all? And he goes, you know, uh, sometimes if the kids stay down. But he said 5 a.m. to 9 a.m., it's mayhem. Oh, Just yeah. Just like kids jumping around and you're trying to wrangle them all and get them to school and well, calm y- them down. You'd be and- amazed at how much you can accomplish with such little sleep. I mean, the way I describe it is, you know – there are some days, and you may maybe you have this in 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 your uh, your your industries, your nerdist industries. <laughs> but there will be some days where you will work like a sixteen hour day, and yep. it'll be a brutal long day. We have those, uh, you know, in, in in the acting world all the time. The longest, most brutal seventeen hour day cakewalk <laughs> in comparison to like having to raise kids not a problem wait you're saying okay so we're gonna turn around so we have like 45 minutes where i could just go and sleep right now and not be disturbed as long as i don't like mess up my hair and makeup i can go do that great 
Call me when we're I'll be, when in I'll be in the trailer. Let me know. Oh my god, I've had that. You know, I've had that conversation. I've had similar conversations with uh, my best friend Mike Furman, who has two kids. And we'll, you know, when we'll we'll talk, he'll go, "How you doing?" I'll go, "Oh, I'm exhausted. You know, I've, I haven't had a day off in like seven days." Oh, wait, you have two kids. I sound like a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is part of that, but now see now. You're engaged now. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm, the last mm-hmm. time I saw you, uh, I met your your lovely fiance. Oh yeah, yeah, at the at the uh, Emmy the, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emmy thing. Uh, how are you feeling? Good. I feel really good. Yeah. You know, we're we're uh, it it's it's amazing. And then there are moments where it's stressful, but in an exciting way, yeah. where it's where we start going like. Oh my god, the wedding list. I don't. Fuck, I don't know. Or like with the house ba- bathroom tile. I don't know. You yeah. know, it's like. They're, they're luxury arguments to be having. Totally. Not, not arguments, but just like, well, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I know that you'll be happy with whatever. I would be happy with it. You're like, we're both so accommodating of the other person mm-hmm. that sometimes it kind of leads to we, we almost – there's almost tension because it's like – I don't know whatever you want. Well, don't make it me. I don't, I'm happy with what you want. I just love you. I don't care. Like, Here's the great we thing. You can't make a fucking when, decision. When kids are then brought into the picture, you just realize that the answer to all of that is, oh, it'll work itself out. <laughs> it'll well, that's fine. ultimately... But see, that's, that's, where, that's where she comes in with wisdom where she'll just... It'll you know, be fine. Well, I'll get a text from her and I'll go, you know all this is going to be fine. It's going to be fine. You know, like, we have each other and that's all that matters. So, you know, fucking... T- bathroom tile doesn't mean anything and I'm like it'll be good you know you may be right the, that bathroom's gonna have a floor on it it's gonna have a floor it'll be fine it will accept our waste can I give you one piece of advice for the wedding no I already have everything figured out yes, I'm please, sure please, but no, please, here, no I don't have anything figured this out is, this is and I don't mean it from the advice of like here's what you need to do okay. you could either do this or not I, whatever I need any advice you have here's the best thing yeah there, shit's gonna go wrong of course so one of the things that my wife and I did, we just said, okay, the universe gets three. <laughs> and we're not going to worry about it. We're get- On that fourth one, we'll start cracking skulls and like being like sure. starts. To- but there are going to be things that go wrong and we'll just be like, eh, not going to worry about it. And we only made it to about two. <laughs> but- and it made the day awesome. Well, that's fantastic. So just know that they're going to be just give three. Just they're gimmies. They're mulligans. Just shit's going to happen. And you just go, ah, don't worry. And you'll realize that so many people will save you from all of the other shit that goes wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, there'll be twenty eight things, and I'm you will sure. have only heard about two. I'm so sh- I'm sure. And but honestly, I don't I don't know. I'm not really stressed about that part of it at all because I, I really do sort of feel like, you know, our feeling about about it is. We could have a big wedding, or we could have a small wedding, or we could, you know, I, we wouldn't elope because it would break our mom's hearts. Yes, but we, but it doesn't, you know, there isn't like a we need this kind of wedding, or it's not going to be fucking yeah. magical. Like yeah. we're going to get married either way. It'll be fine. And at the end of the day, we'll be married, and it'll be great. And it's, so it doesn't. So I'm actually weirdly not that. You know, like I started to get a little stressy about it. You're not I, that invested in your wedding. I, I totally no, no, understand. I'm, I'm afraid that was not the takeaway. That was, oh, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. Not, no, no. I'm so, I thought this was like a subtext thing. <laughs> no. I'm so sorry. So you're saying you could take this or leave this? I'm sorry. No, I, it, it's it's more the idea that um, ultimately the important thing is that we get married, not 100 percent how we get married. You know what I mean? Like, I, and I and I've I, I feel like. I think some people get really cranky when they're like, a wedding should just be about the couple and fuck everyone else. And I sort of feel like, no, 
it really is about everyone else. It's a, it is to a degree. There, no, it is to a degree. There is the pomp and circumstance and and all that stuff. That there, it it, it is about your grandparents. People it get is about weird about people yeah. get real weird but about weddings. At the weddings. end of the day, the 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 day is your guys's day. Yeah, and uh, that's all you need to do. Um, this, uh, by the way, all of this information is also this advice is also available to the forty eight percent that have uh, decided to keep listening to our us discuss. <laughs> <laughs> weddings you know I, there is nothing and I've learned this with kids too no one wants to hear about your kids or your wedding <laughs> it's not she did the cutest thing that, where are you going where are you going wait no no wait just here let me show you this one video she took this there was a little bit of gogurt and she put it on her nose and pretended to be a mouse and where did everybody go where did everyone well, why go why am I all by myself <laughs> that's okay I'll just keep talking kids come here to... entertain your father <laughs> Here's some gogurt. Yes, here's some do with it what you will. Gogurt. Oh, uh, it's. Uh, uh, I'm so glad. Well, first of all, uh, you. It, every time we got to do thrilling adventure hour together, oh, so yeah. much fun. Oh, but we. You know, I feel like you're you're a guy that I always want to hang out with more. But I know that our schedules are assy. But yeah. I sincerely hope that we can. You know. If if you guys want to come over, or we I would can love to meet up in a th- in a third location, or we can come to you if it's easier. But I just feel like it'd be really fun to I would sort of lo- hang out. I would love nothing more. I've always you've, from the moment we met way back when or that uh, uh, the hookah comedy. Uh, oh my god, was that at the Gypsy Cafe? The Gypsy Cafe over in Westwood, right? What were you doing there? I was tagging along with um, Busy Phillips and oh, the Freaks yes. and Geeks crew. Remember when I was said that there were some people in in college that helped like put a yeah. fire in my Busy was that person for she's, me. She's rad. We went to college together. We dated for a little while in college, and she was very instrumental in saying like, "Come on, like if you want to do this, like." Quit fucking around. Go. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we got jobs at the same time and all that stuff. So I knew all the Freaks and Geeks kids, and that's where I first met you. Was that the show? That, was that the show that Seth? Yeah. Went up? That was the show Seth Rogen went yeah. up at. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. And a, a, a bunch of us went out to support him because I th- want to say that was like one of his first times doing stand up in the states. Wow. Um, because, he, you know, he'd done it a bunch of things. Could that have been time. like 1998? Yes, absolutely 1998. That was the... Oh, my God. This show, that, that one show was so magical. I remember specifically because someone did a joke... <laughs> <laughs> someone did a joke about the Green Mile uh, uh, billboards that were all over town saying, like, who's the fucking idiot that made Tom Hanks look like a marionette? That's not... <laughs> something along those lines. I can't, I can't remember who it was. Did you talk to the man? No, I didn't. I was just like, well, I'm just going to stay over here I'm in the just, corner. Uh, you know, They're not wrong. He does look... <laughs> he looks a little weird. It's funny because it's true. It's funny because it's true. Yeah, that was, a, that, was a very, that was a very special show that said, and I think... I wonder if that was the one... Maybe that was the show that kind of... Was I there with Linda Cardellini? Linda Cardellini was there, yes. That was the show. That was the show. Linda and I were doing a sitcom together. You mentioned the WB. This was the UPN. We were on Ah, the UPN. As I always called it, the up-and-coming network. Uh, But... And then it went away. <laughs> hey, listen, Roswell was on the WB and then went to the up and coming network. You know, this is sort of afterwards. Uh, after, yeah. Well, this is this. Is, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna inflate this to a level that it probably doesn't need to be inflated to. But uh, this is sort of like that 24 hour party people sh- show 
where Seth was there, you and Busy were there, uh, I was there with Linda, because she was taking me to see her roommate, Elizabeth, who mm-hmm. was a comic, Lizzie Beckwith, and that was the show where I went and I'd been wanting to do stand-up for years, and I toyed with it, and that was the show where I made the decision, I am now going to start pursuing stand-up full-time, and the next week I started going to the Gypsy Cafe and performing this. So that ah. show was – it's so fascinating to me that you were wow. there because that was a very magical – See, and you thought it was just the tower thing, but it turns out <laughs> no. it's way deeper it than way that. way deeper. There's so much fucking deeper. So it's that like really Paul is interesting said there's seven layers, that seven levels. That does kind of blow my mind that you were at that show. And there really you go. freak me out in a great way. Well, let's, uh, let's converse about this over a, a, a meal of uh, uh, lamb. I would enjoy this. Or, some, or whatever. Or any food. Lamb stuff with matter. lamb, uh, steaks. See, uh, I was just going riffing on the gypsy. Uh, you were, oh, because, yes. Yeah. Okay, so we'll have uh, – uh, what, what else would they serve there? Tabbouleh or – Tabbouleh, uh, couscous. Some couscous. Oh, my God. Some uh, hummus. What a great <laughs> – Thank, thank you for the pronunciation. The, listen, uh, hummus is very upset when you when you call it hummus. It's not cor- well, correct pronunciation. Being from Los Angeles, as yeah. I am, uh, I do appreciate hummus. Yeah, uh, well, my favorite of all of the uh, salsas is uh, Ortega. <laughs> so, really, I like a pizza. Uh, tapatio. Tapatio. Um, We're just being respectful of all the various I'm cultures. Trying, I'm trying. We're trying so hard. I'm trying hard, Ringo. Uh, but uh, uh, so the documentary comes out Friday. It comes out Friday in Los Angeles and New York. It will expand uh, in the subsequent weekends through the Bay Area, Sacramento, and then we'll be uh, Chicago, Phoenix, bunch of different places. So uh, anyone can go to TowerRecordsDoc.com. Uh, uh, to find out uh, all of the screening information. And when, when is it going to be streaming or video on demand? So many people are asking that question, and I say, don't worry, it will. But see <laughs> it in the theater first. <laughs> see it in the theater first, yeah. Because that's kind of what I'm hustling for right now, <laughs> is to get people to see it in a are theater. You touring, are you going around? Are you going to make an appearance in any of the uh, I'm definitely going to be making some here in Los Angeles opening weekend, and then we actually, up in Sacramento, for the weekend up in Sacramento, we have timed it with a uh, Tower Reunion. We have a couple of hundred uh, former Tower employees from all over the country that are flying to Sacramento where we're going to do a big reunion. Oh, that's cool. Um, So we're going to do that. And then um, Thursday night, we're actually uh, currently right now, we're painting up the old Tower Records on Sunset, and that's where we're going to have our post-premiere party. Oh, that's so so nice. Remember it was Tower Records, Tower Video? Yeah, right across the street. street. Two businesses that could never fail. (laughs) Too big to fail. Too big, yeah. Um, So yeah, so we'll, we'll I'll be going around uh, to a bunch of different uh, cities and stuff as, as time goes on. Yeah, excellent. Well, uh, and then also we should mention Life in Pieces, which is on uh, CBS CBS Monday nights at eight thirty p.m. Yeah, people should people should watch. It's a really funny show. I'm actually really uh, having a lot of fun on the show. It's a really great group of people: Dan Beckett, Betsy Brandt, uh, Zoe Lister Jones. Uh, Diane Weist, oh, James Brolin. I mean, it's a really awesome group of people that are all incredibly funny and talented. So. I see you, Betsy Brandt. Yeah, uh, Betsy Brandt. She's the best. She's so fucking funny. She's she. There is no off switch to her funny, <laughs> her funny stream. Uh, that sounds weird. That doesn't sound right. There's she's no in- off switch to her funny stream. That is no. Listen, you just got to this country and you've just learned English. Uh, <laughs> it is your second language, so there is no off switch to her funny stream. No- Am I saying that right? 
There's no off switch to our funny stream. It sounds like uh, Johnny Five. Her funny stream is flowing <laughs> in the buckets. Oh, Johnny, all, Johnny Five's alive. All I just of feel the time. like I'm just learning how to talk. All of the just time. Learning the how to talk. Brand. Uh, excellent. And you're going to be on At Midnight tonight, which I'm, well, by the time this comes out, this is coming out, this is coming out in a couple days. Yeah, it's going to come out before Friday. So you will have been on At Midnight. Yeah. Great job, by the Thanks, way. Thanks, brother. Appreciate uh, it. And my points carry over, right? They always carry over. Yeah, it's okay, like good. a rollover plan. Okay, great. So you can constantly, every time that, every time that you come on. Right, but I'm good. glad you agreed to come on, because I've been bugging you to come on for a while. And at first you're like, I don't know if it's really my thing, but then, but I feel like you're gonna be great, and you're gonna you're going it. on with Steve Agee and Megan Nuringer, who are who are, are veterans of uh, and, Midnight. And as long as Steve sets that bar super low, I'll be cool. <laughs> Steve has the weirdest. I just thought I love Steve. I love that man so much. He's he's fucking comedy. Steve, is I just, love that man. He's developed this character when he comes out in a minute where everything is Chris. Here's my answer. Like, it's this is the weirdest. This <laughs> <laughs> is the strangest. But it's, every time he opens his mouth, it's so fucking funny. It doesn't matter what he I says. I just love uh, yelling at him, uh, <laughs> saying he's dumb, <laughs> asking, you know, whenever I go to a doctor or hospital, I just text him because I go, like, thinking of you. <laughs> Just like weird shit like that. If people, if people don't understand, Steve's like the biggest hypochondriac in Absolutely. the world. Absolutely. So he'll instantly then go into like this, the Steve that I know, which is like, I hope everything's okay. Is there anything I can do? So Whereas sweet. any other time, he's all like, dude, I don't fucking care. He's like a... He's the best. He's like a, he's like a mother hen. He really is. He's like a mother hen. He's like a hypochondriac mother hen. <laughs> he wants to take care of you. He hopes you're not dying. <laughs> he hopes he's, he's not dying. He's also got this other thing that he's got to worry about. He's got, yeah, there's something going on. There's some farmer here ready to kill me. And in the midst of it, he still finds time to be hilarious. Exactly. Uh, Colin Hanks, thank you so much for coming back on, and congratulations on the documentary. Thanks, my friend. What are you going to launch off of this podcast? We're going to come back in a couple years. I got to well, come up with some other ideas. Uh, the... Uh, Pup and Taco documentary. A lot of people were asking me when Radio Shack announced they were going bankrupt. They were like, Radio Shack? And I went, nah, don't, not quite the same. I've heard of that for every, every big name company that's gone bankrupt in the last seven years. I've gotten an email like, eh, Blockbuster? How about eh? the, uh, the, the, how about Radio the Shack? Pets.com? The Bo- dot pets. com bubble? Com. Huh? Nah, nah, nah. Do you want to do that? All of them. All of them. Uh, let's do them all. Google Plus? No, we'll that's still all. a thing, right? It's still a thing. So, <laughs> man, yeah. is it? It'd be funny to do the. Ri- it'd be really funny to do the rise and fall of something that's actually still around. So that company's like, wait, what the wait, fuck? Wait, wait, what? The rise and fall of Bennigan's. Wait, I don't. Aren't there still? I don't know. The rise and fall of Nike. <laughs> Good, good try. Just did it. Like just uh, did, they just did it. <laughs> <laughs> that could work. That could I think work. That'd be a fun way to punk a company. You'd actually, I think, you'd totally fuck them up if you did that. <laughs> I think, I think you would. It would be like a self fulfilling prophecy in a weird sort of way. You would, you would manifest that because they would get in their heads like. Wait, what does he know that we don't know? What the fuck does he know that we don't know? But little did Nike know that their soul <laughs> was becoming unglued. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> now you've made it like a like a like a true crime investigation discovery. Oh type. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a fine line between like uh, a documentary and like a nightline to catch a predator. Like there's no transition. You but know, that happiness was about 
to go sideways. Exactly. Everything turns to black and white. They push in slowly. Exactly. The picture breaks in half. Uh, well, uh, everyone should definitely go see All Things Must Pass and watch Life in Pieces and Colin on at midnight and follow you at Colin Hanks on Twitter. One L, not two. One L. Do people really, they, add two, they put two L's in there? No, but okay. I just like to throw it in there just to remind people. H-L-A-N-K-S? C-O-L-I-N. Oh, okay. That's where you put the other. Yeah. Okay. Right, I'm sorry. Go. I didn't really... It's okay. Uh, no, it's all right. It's all right, Tris. I, I was understand. Ca- <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of making... A, I was half making a Fletch joke. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. B-A-B-R. That's two. Yeah, but not right next to each other. <laughs> but not right next that's to each other. That's what you meant. Children's book about an elephant named Babar. <laughs> I can just sit here and watch this. I just the, want to see you. Fletch, by the way, still holds up. Oh, my God. The best. I, I was able to screen it for the Wayne Fetterman Film Festival at CineFamily. I got to pick a movie. I picked Fletch, watched it with a big group of people, and it completely holds up. Absolutely. Absolutely. As long as you don't think too much about President Chevy Chase, it totally holds up. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Colin Hanks. I adore you. I hope to see you soon. Thank and, you, my friend. Uh, enjoy your burrito, everyone. The end. You know, all, all burritos must pass. All, all burritos. <laughs> well, they do. Eventually, they do. Now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer lands. There's no crime in Pura. No murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us. In Pura, we promise to keep you safe. They killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pura. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now, ad-free, on Wondery+. Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.